Hello and welcome to the Chris Will Podcast on iCode Media. Today I had a great conversation with Dr. Mike Rothschild and what I wanted to do was have a conversation about how we're planning our retreat that he's leaving. Mike has been a good friend of mine. He's also one of my mentors and a coach. And so we, uh, I'm happy to have him on to talk about what our retreat planning is going to sound like. And I hope it benefits you. As always, be sure to subscribe to the podcast, write a review, share it with your friends and support those who support us. I want to talk about the MyDay multifocal for a second. We had the opportunity to do a preclinical trial with this lens this last summer. And there were a couple of things that I thought were really helpful. The first one is that it is different than a lot of the multifocals that we've used before in our practices where patients, especially early emerging presbyopes, really managed the, it didn't cause a lot of additional uh, distance blur for them. And the other thing that was really helpful was because we've never been involved in a clinical trial before was to understand uh, the sort of questions that we might ask our patients. And we ask a pa- our patients a lot of questions about their, pati- about their satisfaction with a contact lens, but what we weren't doing was actually having them score that themselves. So one of the parts of this that was really interesting to me was asking patients on a scale of one to 10, how they would score their vision, how they would score their comfort in their current lenses, and then how they would do the same on their uh, new lenses. And it showed me a lot of times where patients would say they were happy, might rate their vision as a six or a seven. And um, and then it also reframed their thinking about their current satisfaction in their lenses and allowed me to open up the door to offering other solutions. So if you haven't tried something like that in your clinical practice, I would encourage you to. And I would also encourage you to try the MyDay Multifocal for your patients. What do you think about your macular degeneration supplements for patients in category one through category four? Do you feel like you have a really good way to distinguish between what type of supplement you're using and why you're using it? I'd encourage you to check out the evidence behind MacuHealth. We've used it in our practice for a number of years now, and we have a real great solution for patients in category three and four, as well as supplements for patients who don't need the full AREDS formulation. We've been really impressed in our practice by the way it performs and also by the patient acceptance of those supplements. And MacuHealth has also been a great partner in our practice to help us with resources and tools to help us describe and define why their supplements are more bioavailable than some of the things that patients can find at a supermarket or a drugstore. And the most important thing for me about having a supplement in our practice for patients to have access to is I can know whether or not they're getting exactly what I'm prescribing. So that seems to be really helpful for my patients because they're not scouring through the aisles trying to pick up something and having that 10 minute evaluation of what type of supplement they need. So if you haven't started using MacuHealth in your practice yet, you can find all their information in the show notes and they definitely have something that is worth your patient's time and worth your patient's vision. So Mike, thanks again for for doing this. This has been a ton of fun to get to know you over the years. And you're like the the first person who has been on the podcast. This is number three, I think. So you you are the most booked person on this podcast. Oh, that's great. That sort of makes me feel like uh, the Saturday Night Live host. You know, I think after five, they get some sort of special recognition. There's a club. So uh, so maybe we can start a club for iCode Media Podcast. But it is a joy to be back. I always enjoy talking to you and to Ted about all the different things. You guys are such thought leaders in, in the profession and keeping these conversations going. As you know, I really enjoy and I love having these chances to talk about a variety of things. 
Mike, in your mind, what do you think is the difference between a mentor and a coach? Because to me, you've been both. And I would say even in addition to that, you're a friend. And sometimes it's hard to uncouple those lines. But when I hire you to do things, um, I, I'm happy to pay you. So in your mind, how would I, how would I, somebody kind of approach this from a profession that's so small and saying, look, I'm available. Uh, I want to hire somebody to do something. And how do we not blur those lines? Because I never feel like it's awkward or that sort of thing. So what is your thoughts on that? Well, that is really a good question that I was not prepared to, to answer, but it's really thought provoking if you think about it. And as, as I was thinking of the answer to that question, I was thinking of kind of a Venn diagram, you know, with those three uh, circles, you got mentor, coach, and friend, and they really kind of overlap. And I think you need all of them. So a mentor, I think is someone, you know, I think of as a mentor as being someone who's where you want to be, right? Someone that you want to look up to. Uh, or someone that you're aspiring to become. So in optometry, you would think of someone who's been in optometry for a long time, um, and you just kind of go watch them, you know, ask them questions about how they got there, and they sort of share their experiences with you. Uh, and certainly they do a fair amount of coaching along the way, but a coach is more someone that you've asked to sort of take responsibility for encouraging you along the way. So I think that when you, when you, say to a mentor, hey, will you help me uh, and hold me accountable? Uh, then they've started blending over into that coaching uh, aspect of what they're doing. And, you know, sometimes there's a fee for that, and that's what you're talking about where, uh, where they're asking you to do that. And mentors typically don't charge, but a coach may do that where they're actually uh, spending time um, looking at your results adjusting their advice based on those results. You know, if you're not getting the success that you want by trying this one thing I recommended, or if you're not doing it or you don't like it or you want to try something different, then a coach would be sort of responsible for adjusting that advice, trying something different, and continually following up and seeing how you're doing. And a friendship is just something that develops from all of those. I mean, you can, friendship, I think, is just any kind of relationship that you have where, you have mutual enjoyment in being together. You know, I have friendships with my patients, with my staff, uh, with my students, other faculty members. So a friendship, I think, um, is certainly something that you can encourage kind of along the way that, that sort of transcends all of those uh, professional relationships that you can have. So I, that's a really, really good question. And I don't know that you can uh, completely draw distinct lines between them. I think that's okay. I don't think we have to draw the lines between them. I think it's just the best, the best of all of those things kind of do blend together. And really what happens that's the best right. is that when you go out to dinner, you figure out a game so that your other buddy gets to pay for that dinner <laughs> and he gets to pay for both of it. Yes. How did you rig that game? So that, yeah. So uh, and anytime you, you throw, anytime you throw gambling, <laughs> I'm sorry. What was the question, Chris? No, how did, I don't think you or I had to pay. I think Ted had to pay. Maybe, maybe you did, but you figured out a I way that Ted pay. have to pay for, oh yeah. Okay. Well, I guess I figured out a way to make you and Ted pay. <laughs> That's exactly what happened. So game. I think that anytime you throw gambling into any sort of relationship that there may be some um, enhancement or, you know, discouragement from the friendship part of the uh, relationship. That's good. So, all right, Mike, let's get to uh, get to what I need to think about when I'm thinking about a retreat. So 
there's a bunch of different types of retreats that you do. And last year you came and did one for our office. And the real thing that we were trying to do is kind of um, add to the cohesion after COVID coming out, trying to reinforce our, our team and what we're trying to do together. And we, you kind of helped us build a, a plan for um, c- continuing communication as well as team building exercises that are organized and not organized by me. And that has been really great. And we've really stuck to a lot of those things, things like daily huddles, things like our team will go out and have drinks on their own or whatever they're going to do, hang out on their own together on a, on a monthly basis. Um, so this time, what I, what I asked you to do, or actually what you said, hey, Chris, what are you looking for in this next retreat this year? You, I said, you know, I, I want to reinforce that. I think that there's uh, these, you know, the part of what makes us different as a practice is that we do invest in our people. We want to have a really good place to practice. We want to have a great culture. So I want to do that, of course. That's pretty open-ended, so you can elaborate on that if you want. But the other thing I wanted to do was kind of reevaluate our mission statement and our um, our core principles. So let's work through that a little bit in terms of our planning of this meeting. Absolutely. So I thought that what we would do first is, um, is sort of recap you know, exactly what we did last time, just like you were saying. So last year, as you remember, you know, any, anytime someone um, hires a coach to come into their practice um, to have a retreat, a team building retreat or an organizational retreat, it's, it's a relatively strong practice to begin with, because if you think about it, number one, it's the type of practice that invests in its people, right? And so there's the habit of doing that. You usually just don't start out by doing something like this. And it also um, means there has to be some financial success to be able to uh, invest in something like this. So I think that it's really, really good. So typically we go into practices that have good systems in place and have some really good um, success, but want to elevate that level and want to sort of put things together. So bringing in an outsider, which is sort of our specialty to sort of look at things, sort of see where you are, Decide where you want to go and make a path to do that. So that's sort of what we did last time, if you remember. We didn't have a a strict plan. Just wanted to sort of get a sense of what was happening, which is a great starting point. So what we did is we talked about the five zones of practice, and we created a Venn diagram like we just imagined with the as we started this conversation and how they overlap. And we asked everybody in the practice – to go up and and put their place on the system. And then we created the cycle of patient care. Same thing. What is your role in this? And we sort of made a mess kind of of where everybody fits and sort of showing the chaotic nature of an eye care practice and how everybody is needed, everybody is dependent on one another, and we're all working together. So we sort of made a mess of the current system visually, you know, with flip charts and uh, sticky notes and different color markers all over the place and sort of organize that into a sense where we could all sort of sit back and see the entire picture of everything that was going on. Then we said, what do we want to accomplish? What is it that we want to do? And where do we want to make improvement? It just so happened that it worked out that everybody on your team had responsibility for something to take care of. It doesn't always work out that way. Uh, And it wasn't a perfect fit, but as it started to come together, we realized, look, almost everybody has something. Some people are being left out, so let's make sure everybody has 
something that they're accountable for. And I wanted to follow up with you as I was looking through our notes from last time. I wanted to ask you about the meetings. And you said that, um, that those were still continuing and still going on. And I remember we gave one person responsibility for making sure that when you started slacking off, and everybody always does a little bit, either uh, you start skipping meetings or the meetings quit being so um, structured or, or mattering as much, that there was somebody who was going to hold you accountable for that. And I was wondering if that happened or if you guys experienced that throughout the year. Yeah, I think I would say it didn't happen that often, but it did happen from time to time. You know, you, you wind up with having, um, you know, irregularities in a practice. You know, for for example, in December, <clears throat> we wound up having, I got COVID. The next day, my associate uh, was put on bed rest uh, for, so she just had twins. Um, but she was put on bed rest. So it just disrupted everything. And, you know, you get those kinds of things. And it, things have been disrupted for about four months. And we've been, you know, as a practice, I think the cohesion that we really gained from from having you there allowed us to overcome that because we kind of had this shared purpose and figured out where people are overlapping and working together. But yeah, I mean, Dano did a great job of, of bringing us back together and saying, look, it's time for our huddle this morning. And I might be type, you know, answering emails or looking over charts or whatever. And she's, okay, Dr. Chris, can you come back? It's time for, for our huddle. So, um, you know, we did deviate a couple times, but not that often. Uh, so that was great. Well, that's, and, that is good. And so that's exactly what you want to have happen. And, and that was sort of a critical point of your plan is um, to enhance the communications that you guys had, because you got a lot of good people doing a lot of good work, but it wasn't always, everybody wasn't aware of what everybody was doing. So I felt like that was sort of a, a pivot point for you guys. And so, Having that, and it always breaks down, right? Nobody can stay perfect because things happen along the way. So that's a great story. I appreciate you sharing it. But there was another question I had, and I didn't really understand. So I looked through my notes, and it was the part where we were talking about a brochure for the um, managed vision care plans and how to communicate that. And I don't know if that ever got initiated within your system or not. But the idea was is that uh, you had a brochure to explain it, uh, you wrote out the, the details of their plan, and so it helped answer questions. But one of the examples that we used was something called Tinkle Vision, which I have no re recollection of what that is, but it was as an example when we were talking about medical eye care. Uh, what is Tinkle Vision? Can you help me remember? No, I don't remember what that is either. <laughs> I wonder if it – no, I don't remember unless that unless for some reason somebody scribbled down something that didn't uh, that didn't come out. Uh, you know, and look the right way, but I don't remember what that was, but we did do, we, we did come up with a, a strategy to clearly um, prepare a patient for the benefits they have and which benefits they would be using that day. And, and I would say that we did a very good job of doing that before verbally, but giving them that, you call it a, a handout or a, a brochure, um, giving that to them, having them sign it has significantly uh, allowed us to um, not only communicate it, but document that we've communicated it to patients. So in the event that they uh, are confused or think that we didn't explain it well, we can kind of go back to the same thing. And we always try to account for what the patient, uh, what their perspective is. But it was just one more layer to help with that. And I think over the last year, the number of times that this has been an issue has been four. And it was like all one week and it was all who knows what happened, but it was like four times. And we just had a meeting about it the other day 
and or it was it came up in our meeting the other day and and so the point is is that you know it didn't happen that often but when it did happen it was frustrating to the people it was was happening to uh and also our team and so that sort of eliminated that headache and and it's not that complex but it it works and i don't know what right, it sort of standardizes it yeah, that's what I do think that uh, now that you're mentioning, I do think that I was trying to read my own handwriting on a flip chart sheet and was unable to do that and sort of <laughs> blurred, blurred the words together until we came up with Tinkle Vision, which I think that maybe between the two of us, we could invent something that would could transform eye care and we could label it uh, Tinkle Vision. So this upcoming idea. year. You are going to, you, we were discussing kind of what are our plans for the upcoming year, getting ready. And so you dedicated a year ago to, or 11 months ago, to, to make this an annual event and to invite me back. And so everything is progressing and I really appreciate that. But this year you decided that you wanted to do something more foundational, you know, some, so what we did last time is we tried to organize things, put some changes in place that sort of sharpen it up. This year you want to go deeper and you want to talk about the values and uh, mission statement, creating a mission statement for your practice, which I think is just a great idea uh, because that's more long lasting. So the changes that we implemented last time, I think are good changes and they're, they've lasted, right? They've sort of changed the culture so that when tough times come through, just like you explained, you know, the, the foundation is there and you can, can come back when things start coming back to normal, if you will, then, um, then you can get back on track easily, more easily and faster. Um, but values by putting them in place when tough decisions need to be made, um, you can always go back to what matters most because you've spent some time and energy putting in the values and that can really be transformative for the long-term culture of a practice. Uh, so I applaud you for that. And I'm curious as to, where that motivation came from for you to to sort of dedicate this retreat to that topic? You know, our vision source um, kind of communication that continues to cycle that came up and, um, and, you know, people had these very succinct, it's not hard, you know, you can, you, you can come up and say, Oh, here's somebody's mission statement. I like that. And here's somebody's values. I like that. So we're just going to dump that in. And, and my, my feeling is we're probably going to come up with a lot of the same stuff, you know, honesty, trust, uh, you know, best, um, best experience, best vision and eye health, right? We're going to come up with some of the very similar stuff that I would see on there. But unless we're owning that and coming up with it on our own, um, then they're just words and, and they're not something that has anything behind it. So I looked at that and I was like, I can, I can come up with this. I could steal somebody else's, but that's not what, that's not the best way to do this. We need to own this and it needs to be ours. And we've done this before. So, but it's been years and years. And so I think it's worthwhile um, you know, doing that, my, um, so that, that's kind of what was the impetus was for this. I think that's really smart and very insightful to think about, because there are so many practices that, you know, go to a conference, see somebody they like, and it's sort of in a, with a mentor mentee mindset, you know, kind of copy something that they appreciate and try to implement it into their office, sort of announce that these are our new values and our new mission statement, and you're right, unless the unless it is known and owned and energized by everybody within the practice, it really is just kind of words on a piece of paper. And, and the best way to do that is to spend some time 
uh, digging down deep and coming into a consensus in what you're saying. And again, it's going to be just like you said, it'll be very similar to others by practices that you admire and practices that you like. So, but that's okay because it's come from you and it's come from your insights. So I think that the, the best way to go about doing that, and I've had the chance to do this with a handful of practices, but it does, it is kind of the highest level of a retreat that you can, can work toward because it really is deep and requires some deep thought. So I think that what you and I should discuss is kind of a strategy on hitting the ground running and getting everybody in this mindset kind of before the actual retreat, which is coming up in a few weeks. And so um, I've got some ideas on how to do that and was kind of wondering if you had thought about it at all. Uh, no, I, I'm, I have, but I want to I want to think about your ideas because I trust what you have to say to me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, great. So, so I think that as, before the event, I think that we should create a couple of surveys for you to share with your staff, sort of build up the momentum. So I've been there before, so I think that probably most of your team is still there. There may be a couple of new faces. We may have lost a couple between now and then. But nonetheless, there will be a familiarity, right, and a friendship. And so we'll get to know each other. But I think that what we do is we sort of very quickly – kind of similarly to what we did here, and we organize or remind everybody kind of what happened last year. We celebrate the successes that we've had. We explore the goals that we reached for and did not accomplish, or either we decided that it wasn't something that we were going to pursue, but we just acknowledge that that's okay. And uh, so we, we do that as part of the event. I think I started by saying what we do before the event. But at the event, we sort of recap what we did, but do that very, very quickly and then get into what matters most to the practice. And that's where I think we send out the surveys before. So we create surveys in the way where we are sort of asking, we don't want to say, what are your most important values? And the ones that you listed earlier, you know, honesty, integrity, uh, quality, we don't list them, but we try to answer open-ended questions Perhaps ask a question, what was the most meaningful experience that you've had with a patient in the last year um, or something like that? We ask, uh, maybe we ask for the highlight of the year that you've seen when one of your coworkers um, go above and beyond in care to a patient. But we don't want to make it a contest. That the challenge is is to ask people to dig deep for kind of what matters most to them without them trying to outdo each other because that's not what it's about. It's about you know getting finding out why people sacrifice what they do to make your practice better or to make it great or to take care of those patients. So we just and then we're looking for those key words, right? We're looking for those key phrases that people put in there uh, to find out, you know, why it matters. And, um, and I think the more open-ended we do this, and then we just got to figure out the delivery of this. So we can use, you know, Google Drive. It doesn't have to be fancy, and it can go through there. But I think that ultimately it's best, since we're asking that this get done before, I think that it's best if it's delivered by you or – somebody on your team sort of getting ready saying there's a survey 
want you to spend some time with it. You definitely don't want this to be the kind of survey that they just kind of fill out in between patients and with five minutes before the deadline. You want them to have the time to put some genuine thought into it. And alternatively, you could do it as a group at one of your meetings where um, you're sort of pre-brainstorming, pre-retreat brainstorming, because what happens a lot of times is people start to feed off of each other. So there's advantages to both ways. And so as I'm talking, I'm sort of developing the process as I think, but, but the point is, is that we need to do something to get people's mindset right before we start this, because it's a pretty deep topic and it's not something that you can just immediately get into since we only have a day. We want them to sort of think about it beforehand. Then we get in there, we recap what we did last time, we start asking these same questions, sharing the answers that we've gotten, and come up with some key phrases, uh, some key words that are the foundational statements. So we build the foundational statements first, and then we make it pretty. And when we take your, your foundational statements and make it pretty, put it in sentence form, so that you can put it on the wall out in the optical or put it in every room within the practice. Then you start to energize it and you start to think about it because it's up in front of everybody and it's the words that they put. So it needs to be suitable for public um, viewing at that time. So that's a, and I think that's what we announce is the goal of the day. Our goal by the end of the day, we're not going home until we have come up with a good mission statement that we all believe in, that we all contribute to, and that it will guide us in the future development of our practice and how we take care of each other and our patients. Yeah, I think that's perfect. I mean, I think, you know, as, as I'm thinking about how we're going to plan my next, our next Wednesday meeting, so we always do huddles. We've talked about this before. We do huddles for yeah. five minutes every day. Uh, and then our Wednesday meeting is about a half hour meeting. We talk about bigger issues, sometimes just general strategy, strategy issues or, you know, idea sharing issues. Um, but what we'll probably need to do is spend um, what I think we'll do is if we can have that survey hammered out, I'll mention it. I'll give them the idea for what we're going to be doing. We'll talk about the retreat because we've, we've mentioned this before uh, and I'll do that this next Wednesday. And then, then following Wednesday, we're actually going to spend and send and we'll take that entire time for people to, they can see the, the survey before, but they'll take the entire time to work on their own surveys. So they're getting time set aside to do this before, during a meeting. What do you think about that? I think that's perfect because what you're doing is you're just ramping it up, right? You're doing step one. Um, Here's the survey. Step two, here are the results of the survey. Let's collaborate a little bit. And then, so you're taking two steps to get that mindset right before the actual event. So I, I do think that's perfect. Yes. Okay, great. Well, Mike, so tell me what, uh, what else do I need to prepare for? Anything else? Besides bourbon well, I think, and, you know, uh, steaks, whiskey <laughs> marinated steaks. That, that sounds perfect to me. So uh, I'm not sure how the timing is going to work, but you remember that uh, Leadership OD Book Club is going to conclude the night of our uh, retreat. And so you're certainly invited to participate in that. We're going to be talking about fundamental number six, which is strive 
for a better team, which I really can't think of a better example than what you're doing to uh, commit to an annual retreat and, and have that uh, because I think that's the best team building uh, concept. And then, yeah, it's all the logistics that you're talking about. You know, do you have a place? Do you have food? Do you have bourbon? <laughs> do you have uh, <laughs> what else is set up for us to uh, make sure that, um, you know, everything's working out? Do you have plenty of flip charts? I can bring markers, but flip charts are kind of hard to get on. No, we'll get, we have all of that. Um, the, we have all of that. We're also planning on uh, hopefully this year we'll be able to, it'll be nicer where we can spend some more time out on the driving range or doing, you know, doing some other games like uh, putting contests or something like that. But, uh, but this year it's going to be the same place, but hopefully I'm hoping that we have a little bit better weather than last year. I don't remember the weather being bad. I, you know, anytime I come to Nebraska, I imagine, uh, you know, snow banks and and it seems like there wasn't any snow up there so i was pleasantly surprised but it was a little little on the cold Chilly. side yeah but i think that it's okay if it's okay i'd like to sort of share with your listeners your comment about the the driving range anytime you do an event like this i do think that it's important like you've planned uh to put in some sort of physical activity uh, that you can do together it doesn't have to be fancy it doesn't have to take long it kind of needs to be up and moving around, um, you know, driving range, uh, putting green or great putt, putt, laser tag, ropes, courses, go-karts, uh, escape rooms, anything, bowling, anything where you can just get up, move around, have some fun together because it is scientifically proven to enhance creativity that if you'll break up an exercise like this, you know, work really hard. Uh, take some time to go play a little bit together and then come back together that the uh, the creativity level and the collaboration sort of increases dramatically uh, once you do that. And it, it really, really pays off. And you never feel like you have enough time to, you know, spend an hour or two of your one-day event uh, wasting time as, as it feels like you're doing. But it is so valuable and is, it always pays off. Should we plan to do that? When, when I can't remember when we planned for that last year. Do you, do we do it after lunch? Do we do it before lunch? Is there a special time in your mind? I, not really. I think that as long as it's, um, you know, meal breaks are kind of a natural time, and it seems like that's what we did last time after lunch. You know, you sort of get around moving around. That's when the when you start falling asleep, and it's tough to re-energize people after a meal. But you definitely want to have work before it and work after it. So as long as those two things are included, I think that it that will be fine. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Mike Rothschild, thanks again for doing this, man. I'm, I'm excited for you to come up, and I'm so grateful that you're doing this uh, for us. Chris, thank you. I can't wait. I'm looking forward to it. I've been looking forward to it all year, and I'm excited that it's going to be a deep topic, and we're going we're gonna to change the world. 